Chappy for you and chappy for me. Tea for two and you for me. Butlers for you and butlers for me. Oh, please. Keep calm and cauliflower. 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 Cheese. Tea for two and you for me. Me for you and you for me. Chappy for you and chappy for me. It's keep calm and cauliflower cheese. Yes, welcome along, ladies and gentlemen. Monsieur, Mademoiselle, Monsieur, Madame. It's the uh, 15th edition of the highly esteemed, nostalgic podcast, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Welcome along to this rather ramshackle affair that we have uh, every week, sometimes twice a week, uh, depending on uh, depending on how much energy I feel that I have. And uh, I have a lot, 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 of, lot of energy taken out of me from... Lots of ironing, lots of pressing, lots of starching, lots of cooking, lots of waiting, lots of bleaching. Mr. Little Mr. Scree- clean scrubbing plaids, rather wonderful. Trying to get all that umsker and dirt off baths. You know, I don't have to put so much elbow grease into it these days. Anyway, some of the things that we may or not, may not be talking about, and people have asked me, Chappy, you mentioned the same articles, uh several times or maybe a couple of times every week well you know some of these we're going to get round to eventually but they're just golden and delicious uh snail trail takes centuries off chalk giant of cerner bass uh german cities hit by protests over plans to silence rage bikers uh what do you want to wear in staycation britain and then we have a absolutely golden platinum article you dirty rat there's a little bit of rodent in all of us and uh, another favourite, human teeth evolved 400 million years ago in a strange armoured fish. Victorian vampire slayer kit complete with pistol and holy water up for auction. And uh, coronavirus, we're keeping, uh, or uh, owners of pubs are keeping the flirty young things apart and how they're actually doing it. Beauty salons, if beards can be trimmed, why can't my eyebrows? And what's the Nouveau Riche's call to arms? Hmm. And uh, possibly, possibly, the Conservative Manifesto co-author says that breaking wind could be taxing for cows. It is lovely, lovely, lovely to be back here. It's a little bit later today as well. It's it's rather hot in the kitchen, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, I did have to take my uh, my press button down off, and uh, I'm actually delivering the podcast uh, song button down. So uh, <clears throat> very hairy, matted chair across the hair across the chest. I may need to get out my uh, tremors halfway through the show for a little bit of manscaping. It's highly highly possible, I think. So we've got some of our regular features on the uh, on the program today. Um, my uh, uncle, my uh, rather naughty, dastardly uncle who lives in uh, the south of France. Um, I might be uh, 
giving you another episode of Tales from La Campania, Tales from the French Countryside. Uh, we do have some scallywag darts where we take some of the gutter press's worst, most hideous uh, headlines from the week and we try to assess which misses the board, which is the triple 20, which is the bullseye, and which is Chappie's special prize. And I think we finally have the absolute epitome in tea etiquette and it comes from a, a child's magazine and we're going to reiterate this to you today so you know how to make the perfect cup of tea all of you philistines out there who don't know how to make tea properly will be uh, educated in the etiquette of making tea We do have a, a big obsession over sausages here on uh, Keep Calm Cauliflower Cheese. Obviously, tea is one of the obsessions. Full English breakfast, sausages are you know, absolute uh, uh, essential when it comes to the full English breakfast. But there was a wartime stir over Queen Mary's sausages. The Queen, her sausages, and the man from the RAF was the wartime scandal that never was. It involved black market court martial and Queen Mary's seemingly unquenchable appetite for a decent breakfast sausage. To the relief of the palace courtiers, through the flagrant breach of wartime food regulations by George VI's mother, it never leaked out. Instead, it remained hitherto unnoticed, passing reference in the diaries of the King's private secretary, Alan Lachelles. The scandal is now getting a public airing in a wartime murder mystery written by royal biographer Christopher Wilson, who writes under the name of T.P. Fielden. It slipped into several little-known royal facts into stealing the crown, including the affair of Queen Mary and her sausages. During the war, the widow of George V was evacuated to Badminton in Gloucestershire, the home of her niece, the Duchess of Beaufort. It was not an easy time for the hosts. Queen Mary speedily took over the whole house and arranged her own life and theirs, the biographer wrote. Problems abounded. Her favourite tipple was a sparkling marcel, which the Duke did not keep in the cellars. The uh, Conservative MP Henry Chips Channon recorded in his diary that a wine merchant in London received an SOS from Badminton for more hock. Mary also uh, had to be dissuaded from writing letters to her German relatives. They might have been in the family, but still making contact with the enemy at that time. The greatest concern, however, came when she procured some sausages from an RAF officer who, according to one account, fell into her debt after accepting a lift in her Rolls Royce. In the spring of 1944, Sir Henry McGee, the uh, Judge Advocate General of the Armed Forces, called Lachelles, seeking a solution to a delicate court martial case and had the potential to become a national scandal. Lachelles wrote in his diary that he was shocked to learn that it, it, it involved Queen Mary. She had been apparently been buying sausages, contrary to the food regulations, from f some RAF depot, and there was some great shindy about it. 
There was no record in the court martial going ahead, suggesting that the charge was quietly dropped. Wilson uh, has Lachelle's expressing fear about what could happen if Fleet Street got hold of the story. Royal family in the black market, they say the Queen uses a position to stock up in sausages. His final word would probably hold true. If our royal family can't behave properly in a crisis, what hope is there for the rest of the country, said Lachelle. You know what? I think I would have carefully smuggled all sorts of types of sausages into the country. I would have gone undercover, gone under the enemy lines to get a perfect bratwurst and bring it back, baited and, you know, stealthy like a spy, creeping back into the country with sausages wrapped around my neck and a jauntily angled beret. So after much complaint and people writing in on postcards saying, Chappie, please give us the human teeth first evolved 40 million years ago in a bizarre armoured fish story, here we are. Fossilised teeth fish are so similar to ours that they're very distant ancestors. These fish are a common ancestor um, and have bony vertebrates. Uh, scientists use the brightest x-ray source in France to digitally dissect the fossil. Human teeth first evolved 400 million years ago. I think that was maybe 25 years ago for British people. In a bizarre armoured fish, according to a new x-ray analysis of a fossil. Paleontologists have used European uh, Synchrotron Radiation Facility, ESRF, the strongest x-ray source in the world, to digitally dissect the primitive jawed fish. The teeth belonging to the extinct fish was discovered near Prague in, che- in the Czech Republic almost 100 years ago. They were trapped in the encasing rock and scientists have not been able to study them before. But the non-destructive x-rays, hidden details of their size and structure, showing a, a striking resemblance to human teeth. Humans and all 60,000 living species of jawed vertebrates, sharks, bony fish, amphibians, reptiles, birds and mammals, are descendants of this fish, researchers have said. So they, they did an art, artist's impression of the tropical reef in the Czech Republic, and it contains one of these fish, <clears throat> one of the most primitive dual vertebrates with teeth. It depicted emerging from its hiding place in an empty shell of a giant mollusk to hunt for food. These findings change our whole understanding of the origin of teeth. Their jaw bones resemble those of a bony fish and seem to be directly ancestral to our own. So when you grin in the bathroom mirror in the morning and the teeth that grin back, you can trace their origins right back to the first jawed vertebrates. Teeth in the current jaw vertebrates, including humans and sharks, reveal some, some consistent patterns. New teeth usually develop on the inner side of the old ones and move outwards to replace them. In humans, this pattern has been modified so that no human, uh, no new teeth below the old ones deep inside the jawbone. There, however, are several differences between bony fish and their descendants, including humans and other land animals and sharks. The sharks have no bones at all and have a skeleton made of cartilage and the teeth simply sit in the skin. In the bony fish and land animals, the teeth are always attached to the jaw bones. This extinct order of fish are called stem species, a common ancestor to many different descendants. They are also believed to be the first jawed vertebrate in which teeth were known to exist. You know what, I think I'm actually going to um, you know, call these paleontologists and see if I can get some of these replica, replica teeth and get them implanted. I mean, it'd be absolutely fantastic. I mean, I think when you have genetically uh, poor teeth or maybe British teeth, 
it would be very useful to um, get some of these ancient fish implants put in there. I mean, if they, you know, slice through a piece of steak, you know, or a sausage, or maybe a, a piece of, t you know, tough fish or a chewy piece of lamb, that'd be absolutely fantastic. So I think, you know, this gives us all hope. All of us who have, um, you know, they don't have the Liberace set of teeth, I think it might be rather wonderful to get implants of fossilized fish, fish teeth. And this is something I'm definitely going to look into. So last week I did promise a new entry into the Urban Dictionary. And this is sort of apropos nothing. Aging barnacle that sticks to female objects aggressively and tediously can only be removed with the threat of force. At that point, the bottom feeder has a stroke or coronary episode and needs urgent medical attention. In a weakened condition, it still is a rather bothersome parasite. So one of the real symptoms of the age, excuse the pun, uh, since uh, coronavirus and the pandemic, and everybody sort of going back out again or being able to go back out again to bars, pubs, restaurants, uh, socially distanced, is really, uh, you know, bar staff in the UK have had to contend with flirtatious customers breaking social distancing rules as young people flock back to pubs to celebrate their restored freedom, freedoms. Landlords have told of the difficulties of containing the urges of alcohol-fueled millennials socializing for the first time in more than three months. There were crowded scenes in Soho and London a week ago when the bars uh, reopened. The manager of one of the bars in London has regularly found himself having to break up new couples to enforce safety rules. Louis Chavon said it's quite hard to communicate to those customers, especially after two or three drinks when they need to behave. They just can't get up and go to the bar and get a drink or go to another table and chat to some random they don't even know. Most of the issue has been a, a, a table of pretty ladies and a table of pretty boys, and they just go over like, all right, do you want a drink? You just can't do that anymore. So, I mean, some of the solutions here, I think, that we could introduce to help these millennials, Gen Zers, these rather frisky sorts who've had one too many beverages, is why not write a sweet love note and flirtation note on a bleach wipe and just pass it over? I mean, at that point, you're disinfecting and killing the virus if the virus is available, and you can get your love note passed over. So you could maybe uh, try to create a, some sort of paper aeroplane or bleach wipe aeroplane and uh, fling the uh, aeroplane through the air with the note on it to the adjacent table. Or maybe you could use yesterday's selfie stick to clasp a sexy stanza or a raunchy rhyming couplet and pass it over to the adjacent table. So I don't know if selfie sticks are even um, going anymore, but yeah, you could just class that beautiful uh, love note uh, on the selfie stick and then you know parade it over to the table next to you and see if you get any attention or any action after that. If beards can be trimmed, why can't my eyebrows? We're delighted to have beauty salons reopen recently. Uh, we may have improved our running, gardening, sourdough skills in lockdown, um, but all of these are easier than painting your own toenails or shaping your own eyebrows properly. So such procedures require precision and skill and best left to, to the professionals. And that's why the uh, beauty services charge a hefty fee. So now you can book a pedicure and finally get your brows attended to. But wait, what's this? Browscaping is apparently off the menu. So is a facial. 
And this is a small print of government guidelines in the UK announced this week. So it's that it, that permissible salon treatments cannot include those high risk zones, i.e. the face, unless you have a beard, in which case it's okay to have a trim, as long as the barber comes at you from behind or approaches side on. So the barber has to either approach you, you know, tiptoes from behind or side on to do the beard. So men can get their beards trimmed. Bearded ladies can get their beards trimmed. Um, but you can't get your eyebrows uh, shaped or sculpted at this time. But So this is going on in the UK. But you can actually go and get your nether regions waxed here in the US. So... I mean, if you so you can get your nether regions waxed, you can get the bush removed, but you can't actually go and get yourself um, your eyebrow scaped or get rid of the uh, monobrow that you've been uh, growing through the whole of the pandemic and looks like uh, a couple of hedgerows on your face. So I read in the week that uh, BMW has uh, actually using these fancy heated seats but you have to pay to activate them. So this is an upgrade from the heated seats we've had since the uh, probably the early 90s. BMW is to build cars on a subscription model fitted with a host of optional extras that customers can pay to have activated. The German manufacturer said it would build special features such as heated seats into its new cars, but disable them for people who, who, are, who only buy the standard version. So if you actually want to upgrade and get the and get some nice warm toasty buns, you have to pay a little bit extra for that uh, for that upgrade. You know what? I wouldn't even bother with paying the subscription or the upgrade fee. I would just actually sit on two hot water bottles, one for each bum cheek, and romantically reminisce about that rubber wonder, the uh, hot, the heated pad and heated hot water bottle. And then you're sort of playing a game of Russian roulette on a bumpy road. And if you have poor suspension in your car, if the water bottle would ever burst, you know, it could give you a nice little scalded bottom if, uh, if, if, if you weren't going along a pothole in the middle of the road or something. But there we go. I would personally need two hot water bottles, one on each cheek and strap it to the behind. And there you go. You've got, you've got a rather primitive heated seat option if you don't want to pay for the upgrade. So very occasionally during the pandemic and lockdown, boredom does hit you pretty hard between the eyes. So what I found in the week, and please look it up, um, it's Translate Yandex. I've decided to start translating uh, English to Latin. So the first one I decided in the week was Chappie, the British butler, loves to iron shirts. And in Latin, that is Chappie Britannus Butler Amat Ferrum Shirts. So that's the first one. So the butler's mind really does uh, happen to wander. And the next one is, I can't even imagine Margaret Thatcher on a cold day. And that one is, Ego can't imaginari Margareta Thatcher in die figurus. And we have one more to speak into the Latin cyborg here. Oh, here we go. Oh, the Vindaloo is making one rather flatulent. Let's see what how it comes out. O Vindaloo est fascian unum potius flatulent. Fans of the sex education TV show can actually stay at a therapist's home 
For those who have been cooped up in a small flat with no garden since the lockdown began, it is the stuff of dreams. The beautiful red and white house used as the home of the sex therapist Dr. Jean Melbourne, played by Gillian Anderson in the hit Netflix series Sex Education, can be rented as a holiday home for next month. The five-bedroom home, made of Norwegian pine, was built in the Hereford village of Simon's Yat East in the Wye Valley in 1912 for a wealthy Londoner who wanted a base for fishing trips. Since the exterior featured in the home of Melbourne and her sexually repressed son Otis, the owners of the property have been inundated with requests to stay there, particularly from Brazilians, Americans and other international fans. We've had thousands and thousands of people asking when it's going to be rented. Well, my opinion on this uh, on this whole thing is um, if you go and stay at the sex education TV show Therapist Home, you could actually play a series of little games here. Maybe you could play Pin the Penis on the Donkey or Round and Round the Bush or maybe a, uh, you know, go back to your childhood and a good game of Minion and Willies. British food has been castigated for centuries all over the world. You should have, you should have heard some of the remarks uh, when I first moved to the United States about how bad apparently British food is. But the Downton Abbey addicted Spanish uh, tuck into the full English breakfast finally. Having long disdained British culinary traditions, Spain is suddenly demonstrating an unlikely affection for the full English breakfast. The country's biggest selling newspaper, El Pay, has broken with tradition by publishing an article entitled God Save the English Breakfast, a glowing homage to the fry-up. It's a calorific, tasty, greasy, varied and absolutely wonderful, said the paper, referring to the very British combination of sausages, eggs, bread and beans and tomato sauce. According to El Pay, the Downton Abbey television series about British aristocrats is hugely popular in Spain and has played a key role in enhancing the appeal of the English breakfast. The newspaper illustrated its uh, picture of the program's Lady, Lady Sybil lying in a bed with a breakfast tray placed over her lap. The article described how the Funglish breakfast has gone from being the preserve of the aristocracy to a popular working class dish and uh, has given rise to Kishara Grassaniata, the Greasy Spoon Cafe. So let's bury the idea that English food is an insipid and generally bad hodgepodge. Sure, it's not the world's most varied culinary tradition, nor is it the most creative or balanced, but why deny it? It's far from the cat food that we imagine over in Spain. Uh, Guise Buile, founder of the English Breakfast Society, believes Spain's former aversion to the English breakfast owed much to poor imitations served to holidaying Brits across the costas. I believe that a proper English breakfast can be only made with English ingredients, and what you get in those resorts is nothing like that. So anyway, listen back to the podcast a couple of times ago. We actually cooked on a 100-degree day, uh, day here in Denver. We cooked a full, full English on the sidewalk, on the pavement, outside of my house. Oh, welcome back to the comfort, the overgrown foliage, the smell of a bouillabaisse on the stove, maybe a pig snouting around for a truffle, it's tales from La Campania, it's tales from the French countryside, and talking to my uncle in a week, I think he's had one or two, one or too many carafes of wine in a week, and he said, my boy, my boy, I feel I want to convert my converted barn 
into a beautiful 17th century grand townhouse similar to the ones you get in Paris he said imagine my boy imagine my boy a living room with a Nushi coffee table sitting on top of La Maison General Rug. Honestly, I think he's had too many of the carafes, to say the least. I think he wants to uh, not the not the uh, second floor apart, build a 16-foot ceiling. He's already got four bedrooms, um, but he wants a, a townhouse similar to the style of Henry the Fourth around the time Henry IV was assassinated uh, in Paris. And he wants an ambiance of majesty running through the building, uh, grand proportions with understated yet oversized furniture, a flow of the ceiling height with full-length curtains, integrated cabinetry all the way up to the walls, in the kitchen and the master bedroom to reach those high cupboards, a cast concrete staircase in the kitchen leading to a glass-fronted balcony while a bespoke ladder is on hand to the master bedroom. And he said, and the colour he wants, and he can't find anywhere, not in the south of France anyway, is this Prussian blue. My boy, my boy, I want a Prussian blue in the kitchen, midnight blue in the bedroom, burgundy armchairs in the living room. Oh, give me another carafe of that wonderful, decadent divan. I did tell him that I think it's going to be incredibly difficult uh, mixing the uh, old with the new or the new with the old, whichever way you want to talk about it. But anyway, he says he's going to he's going to call me over, and I can come and stay with him once all the uh, conversions actually have happened. I can sit by the fire with a couple of carafes of wine and a beef bourguignon on the on the stove on the fire. Absolutely uh, delicious, my dear boy. Okay, so we have another lovely edition of Scallywag Darts where we take some of the most heinous crimes of the week and uh, break them down into a lovely little game of arrows, darts. Um, so we have the headline that may miss the board. We have a triple 20. We have a bullseye and Chappie's special prize. So I think the one that probably misses the board this week is a couple caught having sex in bush by furious woman who hits him with a plank of wood. Not his plank of wood, may I add. Um, so that's missing the board this week. And we have a triple 20. Londoners spot shark fin in the Thames in Twitter. But it turns out to be a hoax. Um, I think also, well, maybe we've got competing triple 20s. Mike Tyson is apparently... Uh, starring on a new TV show on the Discovery Channel where he battles and boxes a great white shark. Hmm. Alright, we've got our bullseye of the week here. Uh, man shares while he walks around hometown with fire-spouting disco shed on his head. And I think we have our chirpy special prize of the week universe filled with woke aliens who live in peace ufo investigator claims so i think these aliens would have uh, kombucha tea parties talk about their little green feelings constantly and find a safe space at the back of the spacecraft rather than launching independence day 
So as always, being a fond uh, lover and owner of uh, two beautiful dogs, I do love a dog story. Uh, Prisoner of war dog to be given permanent memorial. An English pointer that became the first dog to be registered as a prisoner of war has been selected by the Royal Navy to memorialize animals that have aided in service. Judy was the mascot of two gunboats, HMS Nat and HMS Grasshopper, deployed to the Far East during the Second World War. When Grasshopper was attacked and abandoned, Judy was rescued by survivors and managed to reach the island of Sumatra. There she chased away snakes in the rainforest and found a spring for the sailors when water supplies ran out. However, the crew were captured and thrown into a Japanese camp. In captivity, she cared for the RAF leading aircraftman Frank Williams and growled at guards when they abused prisoners. When the war ended, she was smuggled back to the UK and spent six months in quarantine, which cost £12. An appeal was started to fund it, through which Judy's exploits became famous. Famous. She uh, has been uh, cast in bronze in North Wales Pet Cemetery near Hollywell. Uh, is not Judy's first accolade. She won the PDSA Dickon Medal, known as the Victoria Cross of the Animal Kingdom in 1946. From then, she lived with Mr. Williams and died in Tanzania, aged 13, in 1950. The citation noted her magnificent courage and endurance in Japanese prison camps, which helped to maintain morale amongst her fellow prisoners and also saving many lives for her intelligence and watchfulness. Okay, so I did promise, finally, we have the epitome, the most wondrous article on how to brew a cup of tea. We did see the uh, Yank lady on Twitter, um, basically boiling water in the microwave, throwing a tea bag in, putting a ton of sugar in, and, uh, and then a half a gallon of milk. No, 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 that is definitely not tea. Um, so she posted this video on social media on how to make hot tea or British tea. Her advice was to microwave a mug of cold water, then add milk followed by a tea bag and lots of sugar. This is not how tea is made at all, one British comment, uh, person commented on the video. Another jokingly said, this is a crime. British people drink 165 million uh, cups of tea every day and there's almost as many opinions on how to make it. Here's one method from the tea-loving county of Yorkshire in England. It's a great morning drink to help start the day. You need a tea bag, milk, a mug, a kettle, a teaspoon, and optional sugar and a biscuit. Run the tap for a few seconds before filling the kettle so the water is fresh. Boil the kettle once. Put one tea bag into the mug and pour into the boiling water until it's about two centimeters from the top of the mug. You have to be careful with the boiling water, so you might want to ask a grown-up to help. Now wait for five minutes for the tea to infuse in the water. Choose a biscuit while you're waiting, if you like. Using a teaspoon, gently squish the tea bag against the edge of the mug, then remove the bag. Throw the bag away, either in a bin or in your compost. Be careful because the bag will be very hot. Now add a splash of milk to the tea, depending on your taste, and sugar is optional. There we go, ladies and mantelpieces. You have the perfect, perfect cup of tea. And do not ever, ever, it's anathema, do not boil water in the microwave for your tea. That is absolutely awful. Never, 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 never do that. Well, thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. We're almost at the close of play here. 
We're drawing up stumps for another podcast. Um, going to finish with a nice little uh, poem, as always, um, that I think you might like. But keep following at Keep Cheese on Twitter, uh, on Spotify. You'll find Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese on uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and also uh, TuneIn as well. But it's been an absolute delight uh, being with you here today, and um, and I hope to be with you again. Uh, bow tie, morning suit, and all for another edition of this wondrous little nostalgic podcast. Thank you very much. So it's another dry, hot, sultry day here in Denver. Um, being landlocked does make me uh, reminisce about the times when I could uh, go down to the North Norfolk coast in the UK, uh, dip my feet into the uh, waters and let the water waft over my toes, or maybe uh, let the feet sink into the marsh mud. But uh, alas, I can only do that in uh, maybe on one of my river walks or something, but not quite the same. But this is a rather lovely poem that I found in the week called The Coast Norfolk by uh, Francis Cornford. As on the highway's quiet edge, he mows the grass beside the hedge. The old man has for company the distant grey, salt-smelling sea. A poppied field, a cow and calf, the finches on the telegraph. Across his faded back a hone, he slowly, slowly sighs alone. In silence of the wind-soft air, with ladies' bedstraw everywhere, with whitened corn and tarry poles and far-off gulls like risen souls. Thanks very much again for indulging in the Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese podcast. Until we meet again, don't know where, don't know when. Cheerio, toodles, clinkies.